Welcome to the Tabletop Sportcast. I'm your host, James Cast. Today is February 4th, 2024, and this is episode 152. Today we're going to look at goals and systems. This is an idea that was introduced in Atomic Habits by James Clear. We're going to discuss what he is talking about in his book, and then show how we can apply that to our gaming hobby. Before we get to that, we're also going to cover some news. We've got a brand new edition of Sports Sim Magazine out, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, We will also get shortly to the Tabletop Recap. In the meantime, if you have any ideas about shows, questions about shows, projects you'd love to tell me about, or feedback on any of the episodes, uh, please hit me up with an email at tabletopsportcast at gmail.com. Now, before we get into our main topic, let's go and take a look back at the week that was on the tabletop. Well, we've got a couple of weeks to cover on the tabletop recap because last week we had the great interview with uh, Jeff Giordano and uh, I was apologized for my gaffe at the end of it. I had meant to edit the end of the interview, totally forgot to do it, um, even after reminding myself a few times. So, um, but great interview. We skipped the recap as we usually do during the interviews. So we've got a couple weeks worth on really I'm going to recap since uh, January 21st. uh, So a couple weeks now. So we'll get to hear a little bit how January finished up and what I've been doing as February has started up. And 35 gaming sessions over the past two weeks, uh, nine different games on the table. And. I've been plugging along on several fronts. Let's start with the Wayne Gretzky project. I've been posting this on the Facebook page as well. And again, if you want to see how these projects are progressing, facebook.com backslash tabletop sportcast. I try to post a few times a week and keep you up to date on some of the projects that I am working on. So with the Wayne Gretzky project, uh, I was able to hammer out all 13 games for January in just about nine days. Uh, It really became like sole focus. As you might remember, I had Soccer Blast on the table to finish up that project. Felt like finishing that before switching over to hockey. And so I gave myself really a condensed window for the Wayne Gretzky project. But luckily, Hockey Blast isn't that long of a game to play. He's off to a great start. So, you know, just 13 games in right now for Gretzky. And he's already at 24 goals. We're trying to get to 50 goals in 39 games. So he's got 24 goals, 13 assists, 37 points. So he's off to a great start. He is right now at a plus 11 on his pace from that season. But... He had some big games after this, so including a great finish. And if I look at his like last 13 games, I will tell you, he was almost as strong in those last 13 games, scoring 19 goals, as I've been in the first 13 games. 
So he had 19 goals in those last 13 games of that stretch. But in his first 13 games of 1981-82, he only had 13 goals. So I'm ahead of that pace, but only slightly ahead of that finish that he had. So if I get into a cold spell with Gretzky at any point in this, um, that could impact my ability to get up there. Best game so far was uh, game number nine against Pittsburgh. Gretzky had two goals and five assists, seven points. Uh, But he also had a five-goal game for me already. And in 1981-82, that was how many he had in that final game, in the 39th game, to get himself to 50. Uh, He had a five-goal game then, too. So we've equaled that. Uh, In that stretch, he had never had a five-assist game. So we're we're ahead of him on that front. Switch over to History Maker Baseball. The 1969 Mets have fallen off the wagon a little bit here they are now have dropped i think it is six of their last seven games so barely holding on to a lead at this point i still haven't lost as many games as they did in september but i've got still half a month to go and only two losses to play with so chances are i'm not going to repeat exactly what they did in 1969 but we'll see what happens uh but it's been a definite cold stretch uh for the mets right now against some pretty good teams though uh cubs pittsburgh and cardinals they should have won more games though uh pittsburgh swept them in four games pittsburgh's lineup is just amazing uh it's one of the best lineups i've seen in in playing like tabletop sports just a tremendous lineup for those 69 uh, pirates let's see also history maker golf's finally got my um course collection one so i've been taking part in the play invitational the last couple of weeks uh and i have probably going to be playing that later today to wrap up my the fourth event uh, and then I'm going to want to go back and play the first event as well. So I'll probably do a double header at some point, either tonight or tomorrow, um, so that I can knock out the remainder of the play invitational. Um, but again, thanks to Paul Salzgaber for running that. Grid Zone back on the table this past week. That is one of my new projects. Uh, well, it's really a delivery for, I think June is what I'm hoping to deliver it. So I needed to get that started in January. And I did. I got night one of the Grid Zone League completed. Uh, so it's kicked off season three there. Also, with projects that I'm trying to continue to move along, Dice United, the 2022 uh, NWSL, this is the Women's Professional League, uh, completed series three for that. Uh, this was really the rematch of the championship series which i had scheduled as an opening series i think i messed up or sorting my cards and forgot how i had done them so what i did is i ended up having some of the best teams play each other they're advancing uh some of the worst teams are going to play each other they're going to advance uh, so it's going to be a little different tournament format what i'll probably do is just make sure i reseed them in round two um but san diego falls to portland in two games And then face to the mat, um, I got stuck a little bit here with my project that I was running where I was just randomly selecting matches because I didn't really track very well 
what I was doing with tag teams. To be more specific, what I had done incorrectly here in a sense was I was writing down the tag teams. I was making up names for two wrestlers that were part of a tag team. And then as I went back to my notes after sitting out for a couple of weeks, I couldn't remember who had been on those tag teams. So I ended up taking a little break. <clears throat> this was one of the uh, gaming sessions that I actually had to carry over from January into February. There were two of them. And I went back and just started tracking all the points that I could. There were a couple tag teams. I could not remember who was on those teams exactly. I had an idea, but I couldn't say for certain who it was. So I left them their points out if they got grudge points or anything like that. Uh, doing a better job of tracking now in the next couple shows. So I completed shows five and six about halfway through that season now. Uh, should be wrapping that up next month. So I've got a few more sessions this month to get through, and then I'll be wrapping that up in... Um, no, actually, that's going to wrap up this month, as I recall. So the February deliverable is this Face to the Mat season. So I'll be knocking out the rest of it this month uh, as one of my top goals for this month. Fast Drive Football back on the table. Uh, this is my monthly tournament in the fictional world. I am doing... a the tournament for the Eastern Football League. This is a league that Bob Hansen created. It's available on the Fast Drive Football website. So I got through the first four games. Uh, there was a lot of Northeast teams that got um, wiped out here. Uh, I had New Jersey or Jersey lost to Charlotte 42-28. Philadelphia lost to Richmond 23-10. Boston lost to Atlanta 41-7. And Gotham uh, fell to Pittsburgh, 41-13. So Southern teams, you know, Midwest teams taking advantage of those Northeast teams a little bit in this opening round. So those all, all four of those teams, uh, Charlotte, Richmond, Atlanta, and Pittsburgh all advanced to the second round. They will take on the teams that had buys in the second round. Uh, we'll probably be finishing up. That will also be finishing up this month. And what did I miss? Uh, only other thing we had on the table was some Legends of Boxing. Trying to get some uh, Legends of Boxing in. Oh, and Fast Inning Baseball. Forgot about moving that project forward. I am about, let's see, Fast Inning Baseball, I'm about 40 games in. I, I think I'm going to have to get about 80, 81 games into that project. So that's hopefully wrapping up next month. But I'll be pushing that forward too. I've eliminated about five or six teams at this point. So doing pretty well. And with Legends of Boxing, uh, just really trying to get some historical matchups in. Um, I had a chance to do, uh, I did Cassius Clay versus Muhammad Ali. So I took his, you know, I've got a card for Muhammad Ali in the 60s and one in the 70s. So even though he was Muhammad Ali also in the 60s, I uh, did it just to get the different name on there. But it was really his 60s card against his 70s card, and it was a 60s card that won out in a unanimous decision. Also had uh, Ray Robinson and Jake LaMotta, the famous fight there uh, that they had, I think, at least a couple of them historically, but also another unanimous decision win for Ray Robinson there. Um Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns, this is the war. Uh, if you remember, this was the fight that had maybe the best opening round of all time. Uh, just uh, so many punches thrown. If you ever get a chance to see the video, 
of that opening round of Hagler Hearns. Watch it. It is some dynamite uh, boxing. Feels more like a Rocky movie than it does like a real boxing match. I had Hagler end up winning in a TKO in the ninth round. He ended up winning that real fight in the third round by uh, TKO or knockout. And then I did Tyson uh, Hollyfield as another fight. And Mike Tyson won this one by unanimous decision. Uh, Both fighters at their peak. Probably Tyson's the better fighter in his peak than Hollyfield was. Showed up there. He didn't knock him out, but um, certainly had an easy win of it. So I'm going to continue to do some more with Legends of Boxing. Kind of getting psyched for Legends of Boxing 2 and decided to have it out a little bit on the table. All right. That was a lot of time to do two weeks worth for the recap. Let's get into some recent news and talk a little bit about Sports Sim Magazine. Right at the end of January, uh, we received issue number 14 of Sports Sim Magazine. Uh, this is the magazine produced by S.T. Patrick. Uh, this was meant to be the Q4 issue. And, you know, I think a lot of us were wondering, like, where is it? Where is it coming? Um, it finally got released at the end of January. And I think when it got released, we realized why it took so long. This is maybe the most packed issue that ST has had yet. Uh, It covers a wider range of things, and we'll talk a little bit about it uh, right now. So uh, I'm going to just let you know some of the top things that I was seeing in there. So games that were covered. We're talking about um, Mickey's Fast Break. We're talking about Legends of Boxing, second edition. We're talking about ultra quick football, APBA soccer, bank shot basketball, uh, history maker baseball, payoff pitch, uh, action PC basketball. Anything else I'm missing in here? Matchup football. You know, there's a wider range of games covered in here. There's a couple of new free games that you can get access to. And some other articles, too, and just a wider range of contributors. So um, all told, it is like over 120 pages long. So this was, it almost felt like a double issue. I don't know how much is, issues usually are, but this felt, almost felt like a double issue with the amount of content that he has inside of it. So kudos to ST on putting together just a tremendous um, issue and for everyone who contributed to it. Um, I was able to get two articles in this time. Um, I did a top 10 for 2023 that looks similar to the episode that I did, but has a little different spin to it. You can check that out in there. I also covered the fall ball at the hall, which was a nice follow-up, you know, or timing-wise with our conversation last week with Jeff Giordano and talking about live events. Uh, And this was the one where uh, Randy Courier had helped to organize the event with Keith Avalon at the Baseball Hall of Fame last uh, fall. So those are the two I had put in there. There's also a really good article from S.T. Patrick to kind of kick off. He usually has the article that kind of kicks off the, uh, uh, the issue and... 
His article this time around all deals with his plan for getting games to his table this year. And it's going to be a nice tie-in to what we're going to talk about in our main topic. Uh, And the title of his article is No Pressure, No Schedule Replays. So I I encourage you to read that. Uh, He has Gary Brown talking about the development of Legends of Boxing 2nd Edition. So um, I think that is definitely worth a read if you're a fan of Legends of Boxing. Uh, A tribute to Jim Mickey, who created Mickey's Fast Break and recently passed away. So there's some really cool stuff here. There's some analysis of some of the games, uh, some pretty cool projects that people are doing. Who was this? Uh, Gregory Abdur Rashid takes on what would have looked like if Muhammad Ali had been able to fight between 1967 and 1970. So kind of playing off of an episode we had done. Um, I mean, I'm sure he wasn't playing off of it, but similar to an episode that I had done last year where we talked about the two Ali's. And yeah, it would, and I think it's a really cool project to think about who would have been the fighters he would have had a shot at in those, you know, three to four years and what would that have looked like? So just some really cool stuff in here. ST does his own look back on 2023 and a look ahead to 2024. He's got another interview with uh, Glenn Guzzo talking about um, Stratomatic. So I would definitely encourage you to go out, get this uh, issue. It's got so much information inside of it. And uh, just another tribute to the hobby. And what, you know, even talking with ST, like what makes the issues great isn't so much what he's been able to put together. It's how many people are contributing to it. So uh, let's hope we can all keep that up and look forward to seeing what he's got coming out uh in the spring i think he's going to have a couple of issues in the first half of the year um as he works around some of the live events as we talked last week live events on the schedule this year um, i think there's a number of people really excited about some of the things that are starting to happen in the community also in the news i'm going to touch on uh, i had put a poll out a couple of weeks ago asking people what's the number one reason that you've had projects get sidetracked or stopped. We're going to talk about these right now, and then this is going to be a great lead-in to our main conversation for this week. So here's some of the uh, things that we heard. Um, uh, David Tomes, and hopefully I get everyone's names right, uh, wrote that the project is too big, becomes the only thing on the table for table time, or he gets too bogged down in keeping detailed statistics. Paul Salzgaber, uh, volume of projects he wants to complete. Here's a great baseball one. Uh, wait, this football would idea would be great. You know, overburdened by the amount of ideas. Uh, Don Bachowski, who is also another guest of the uh, podcast, losing your smile or your motivation to continue on with that project. Um, Rob Gallimore uh, just kind of credits Keith Havilone and everything he keeps coming up with. You know, the next new shiny game comes out. It's hard to stay focused, right? Uh, Ethan uh, Musselin um, usually gets sidetracked as a result of a new idea for a project that takes precedent. Uh, Could call it the squirrel effect, uh, but it's also mostly due to in real life things happening. Um, Steve Heller, the fun factor, 
you know, he used to hate quitting projects and would keep them on, but one day he just stopped beating himself up over that and decided it was okay to move on from projects. Dave Selinski, uh, work and family commitments. Yeah, that's always hard. Having young children and a job that isn't a traditional nine to five makes gaming a luxury more than a priority. Uh, Brett Schonenstein, uh, too big of a project or one he loses interest in. And then Jeff Tomlinson, I hear or read about a project that seems more interesting than the one I'm doing. So some really good ideas there. And, and I think what we hear is a common theme, right? Like it, priority is definitely a part of this, but it's also trying to think through like, you know, changing priorities, changing motivations. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as part of our next topic. So let's get into today's main topic. All right, so for today's main topic, we're going to talk about goals and systems. And again, this came originally from a book that I had read called Atomic Habits from James Clear. I uh, read the book three or four years ago. Really great book if you're trying to build habits. It really is a book all about building good habits. And it was helpful for me, not only in work, but in doing what I do here with the podcast and doing what I do with my gaming. One of the topics that I thought would be really interesting to share is one that I, you know, I'm also now just started kind of reinforcing his ideas through his masterclass. Uh, mentioned a couple episodes ago that I do have like this masterclass subscription. So I'm going through Atomic Habits again with James Clear, this time through his masterclass. And one of the recent sessions was on the same chapter of goals and systems. So what are we talking about here? Well, the difference here is we usually think about everything in terms of goals, right? We set these goals and we are sometimes successful at reaching them and we are sometimes failing at reaching them. And what he talks about in this is that that's usually how goals work. And let's put this in context of sports, right? Let's look at, you know, we got the Super Bowl coming up. Now, do we think that there are any teams, there are probably a couple, right? But are there any teams out in the NFL, all 32 of them, that didn't have the same goal of reaching the Super Bowl? They probably all had the same goal. Like, that's the reason they're out there playing, right? They probably have at the beginning of the year, in the offseason, whenever it may be, they probably all have this idea of reaching the Super Bowl. Now, for some of them, they may be a little bit more realistic in that approach, and they might be setting that goal a couple years down the road, saying it's not this year, but we're hoping to get there next year or the year after. Rarely is a team kind of going through it and being like, we're not going to have a shot at that. That's not something we're working towards, right? They're probably all thinking about that as their goal. We are going to get to the Super Bowl either this year, next year, or the year after. So if they all have the same goal, how many of them actually have a chance of getting there? There's only two. And this year it's going to be Kansas City and San Francisco. They are the two that achieve that goal. 
Now I'm sure they have a goal of winning it, right? Now that they're there, we're going to win this thing. One of them's going to be successful. The other one is not. And that's kind of the problem with goals is that goals set people up for failure. The reason they set you up for failure is that it is the result. It's everything that you do before that, that really becomes the sustainable part of this. And the argument made in his book and in, again in this masterclass is that systems, the stuff that you do to set up success is probably where you want to put your focus. The goals became a, come a way of planning for building a long-term successful system. So that's what we're going to talk a little bit about that. The other thing, and you heard this a lot, right? So problem number one is, you know, he decide, he really designs this as goals are the same for winners and losers. And, and, and as we talked about in the example there. The other problem with goals is that they are usually temporary, right? So when we talk about a system, we're talking about long-term sustainability. Well, once you've achieved a goal, right, you have that immediate euphoric high in a sense, but then what? There's nothing after it, right? So then what do you do? You need to have a way to continue to build that success. So if you're only focused on your goals and not on building those repetitive systems, you're going to fall short in terms of happiness as well, right? And now what happens when you miss that goal? Um, you heard some of the comments in, even in the poll, right? Like, uh, lost my motivation, lost my smile, you know, not, wasn't fun anymore. Next shiny thing. Like those are all talking about the fact that I no longer think this goal is achievable. Time to move on to something else. Right. And that means failure. That means losing motivation, losing happiness, Then we talk about long-term progress, and this is where we turn over to systems, right? Goals get in the way a little bit of long-term progress because goals are usually a short-term thing that you're thinking about. And it's good to have those, right? You need to set those benchmarks, but you really want to always have an eye towards what that long-term progress looks like. So how can we use this in our day-to-day -day here? Well, we want to focus on building sustainable systems. So what does that start to look like? Well, he gives this really great example of the British cycling team. And he says that they set out with a goal of winning the Tour de France as a unit, right? They wanted somebody within the British cycling team to win the Tour de France. Now that's the goal. But now they focused on what do we need to do from a system standpoint to achieve that goal. And they started looking at what is the design of the bikes? What kind of tires are we using? What kind of training regimen do we have? What kind of, um, you know, massage therapy are we performing? What kind of gels are we using to kind of release like muscle aches and tension? They really examined the entire program and rebuilt their program for long-term sustainability. In the end, they achieved the goal, which was to win the Tour de France, right? They, and they did it in a shorter amount of time than what their goal was. 
but they did it because they set up that long-term sustainability. When we think about the great teams in our pro sports, the ones who are able to do it year in and year out are the ones who can build a system, build for the long-term sustainability. You know, the Los Angeles Dodgers aren't in a great position to win the World Series this year just because of some great signings. Those are certainly going to help, but it's because they've been able to do this year in and year out. They've built the farm system. They know what kind of players they need in the mix. They've got a good foundation there. They've got a good probably front office doing that work, a good scouting department, good coaching staffs, good player development, right? Like all of this builds them towards that long-term sustainability. And then you can take another team, like the team that I root for, right? The New York Mets. And they went after the short-term goal. Now, I think in the long run, they're trying to build towards long-term sustainability, but they put out that short-term goal. We're going to spend a ton of money. We're going to win in a couple of years. And they fell short. And now it's like, well, now they've got to regroup. So how do you build that long-term sustainability? Well, here's my advice. This is what I'm, this is, and this is what I've started to do more with, and hopefully you're hearing this in the way I do project planning, is to focus less on the goals and to focus more on the how. How am I going to execute my projects to be able to set up and meet those goals? Well, I want to look at like, what am I going to be doing to plan for these games? You know, am I setting realistic targets there? How do I play my games? Am I, you know, as one person said, do I get bogged down in keeping detailed statistics or do I decide on like what's really important? You know, for most of my projects, I don't keep statistics just because I know like one, I probably am not going to use them. And two, it's not adding a lot of value. So if it's not a main part of the system, don't include it. Keep the statistics out of it. Other people have great methods for keeping statistics, you know, and and they have that method for maintaining things. Listening to like Sean Colnan and realizing like you can do these huge monster projects where you replay every game of an entire season, whether it be baseball or football. You heard what he had. He had a really good system in place for him. He explored that from the system standpoint first. He thought about the goals afterwards. What season am I going to play for football? What season am I going to play for baseball? Those things were the after effect of setting up a really good sustainable system. Like he knew what game he was going to be playing. He had his station where he was going to be playing those. He had ways of tracking his project for, you know, and keeping himself motivated in the short term, like what percent am done am I with this project? He had the ability, you know, knew how he was keeping the stats, had all of that set up. So he has the system in place. Even that great trick of like setting up the next game on the table in that station that he has set up for playing these games so that it's there, it's ready. So as soon as he goes by it, he's like, yeah, I can knock that out real quick because it's ready to go. I don't have to like sit down, get the team cards out, set up the boards, you know, get all the materials out. Like he's ready to go. So that's part of his system that makes him successful. 
you know, I have been gotten, I've gotten a lot more effective at getting projects done once I started putting some place pieces in place that makes my system work more efficiently, like having a tablet that I use just for scorekeeping. So now everything is here and I just have to have that near me. And as long as I have that near me, I don't have to go finding paper. I don't have to go finding a score sheet for each sport. Like everything's in this tablet. I have score sheets for every single game inside this tablet ready to go and i can just start scoring right i've got my closet organized so it's easy to get to the to the games you know this year i've also now I've got, like i said i have this shoe box that has all of my quarterly projects in it so now i'm not going through my entire closet like trying to find like where is that game i know it's the shoe box that's sitting out on my table and i just have to find the cards that i need for that next game um that, those are things that you do to set up the success right for me it's keeping track of the gaming log keeping you know keeping my visual management uh where i've got my mural set up and i have like the entire like map roadmaps of the projects that i'm doing what are my goals this month you know it keeps me focused on that and that's what sets up the long-term success because I have a system in place. You know, Sean's got a system in place. When we bring people in and you hear them talk about those projects, listen to the system that they have in place. Because that's the part that's making them successful. It's not the project. It's not that specific goal that they're working towards. It's usually the system that they have in place. The goals then become something that you set up to help you get to the next place. You know, when I set up a goal this year of getting to 30 projects, the first thing I have to ask myself is, do I have a system in place that allows me to get there? And the answer for me was, yeah, I think I do. I think I actually have a system in place that's going to allow me to get there if I size these projects right. And I had to make sure I did that. Same thing last year. Last year when I was like, can I get every single game on the table every game in my collection on the table you know and i thought it was going to be like at the time at the beginning of the year i was thinking it was like 50 games can i get 50 games to the table i'm like yeah i did like almost 500 gaming sessions the year before so yeah i should be able to get 50 of those for you know 10 percent of those to playing a single game of everything in my closet like i should be able to do that and i ended up getting 80 plus games on the table because there was still room for that. And I also ended up having way over 600 sessions, right? So like that's all set up by the system that's in place and knowing like, yeah, that's doable. You can do that. That's your system allows you to achieve that goal. So that's the that's the benchmark that you have to set is to say to yourself, is my goal achievable? And there's all this information out there. You'll hear people talk about things like smart goals, right? And attainability and it being realistic. Those are two very important components to setting a goal. And to me, after going through like atomic habits, like I think that's something that you can tie it back to is to say, how do I know it's attainable? because I have the system in place that sets me up to be able to do that. So the goal just becomes a way to reinforce the system more than building a system to achieve the goal. If I'm trying to build the system to achieve the goal, more often than not, I think I'm gonna fail. 
But if I build the, if I choose a goal based on the based on the system, and based on making sure that the system continues to act the way that it needs to, I'm going to reach that goal. So that's really the approach you can take here, and and that's you know, and use the example of the British cycling team, you know. We use like Sean Coleman as an example. Like you've got some really good examples out there that tell you that that's how it is. So, you know, take advantage of that and then start to think about your projects in terms of the system that you have in place. Is it doable? Is it achievable? You know, one of the other great articles that was in uh, Sports Sim Magazine was uh, Dave Jackson talking about different ways to approach baseball projects. And I'm without him specifically talking about systems, you can see that what he was doing was thinking about these different projects that he could do with baseball and tying it back to like, eh, can I really do that? Like, is that doable? He's thinking about his system. And because he knew like what his system was, he's able to set himself up for success. And I think as ST is thinking about like his like no pressure approach, right? And and in his article, you'll read through it. I'll summarize it real quick. But the idea was <clears throat> he's got all these long-term projects that he wants to work on, but he doesn't want to have to be committed to the projects. He wants to be able to just say, I feel like playing, you know, these two teams today. I want to play the 84 Cubs and the 71 Pirates, so I'm going to play them. All he's doing is setting some limits on himself of saying, by the time the 84 Cubs get to 162 games, they're done. When the 71 Pirates get to 162 games, they're done, right? He's going to play out a season with that team, but he's not necessarily committed to them being in a same league necessarily. He's probably going to end up having a bunch of different teams that are part of that. He's thinking about a system. He's thinking about what's going to work for him from a system standpoint and then setting the goals around the system. He knows for himself that saying, I'm going to play the, I'm going to make this league with all these teams and that's what I'm going to start working on that is going to restrict him in a way that won't be comfortable because it's not the system that's going to work for him. He needs a much freer, looser system that allows him to just go in and grab what he wants. So read through that article and think about it from the standpoint of a system versus a goal. And if you think about your projects in terms of systems, I think that you'll find that you're going to be more successful in the long run. If everything is set up to react to your system and you can say, yes, within my system, this is possible, you're going to find that you're more successful on your goal setting. And I think that's one of the things that's really helped me over the last couple of years in terms of project planning, whether it be agile, you know, you know, that's part of my system is thinking about agile. Um, but there's also this whole idea that, yeah, I need a good, solid system. and when I practice it at home, it makes it easier to implement similar things at work, you know, and that's what you want to do is kind of continue to reinforce. Uh, so many times I talk to people and, and it's true, like <clears throat> you can easily reinforce like your work routines at home and 
your at-home routines get reinforced at work. And when you start to think about that, yeah, you're thinking about it from a systemic standpoint of, yeah, if I can have the same system in place, I'm achieving different things, but it's still that same system. There were so many, like when I used to coach at high school, there were so many coaches that I knew who were part of, who would coach different sports. And the most successful coaches that I saw at the high school ranks weren't the ones who were sports experts, right? Like there were so many times I would see a coach and they were like, oh yeah, he was like an All-American soccer player. Okay, he's not a great coach though, you know? The ones who were great coaches were the ones who had the systems built. And one of the best coaches I ever saw um, who I had a chance to work with, you could watch him during a practice after this is after, you know, 10 years or, or plus. Right. But you would watch him in a practice and you'd be like, he doesn't really do anything. And the truth was he didn't because part of his system was he taught the girls on his track team to be leaders. And by the time they were seniors, they were leaders. They were teaching freshmen and sophomores how to respond. This is how we practice. This is how you do these events. This is how we win meets. He created, you know, one of the ways you can create a great system when you're talking about a sports team is create your lieutenants, right? make that team sustainable. And he basically made himself a removable part of that team. And you see that in some of the most successful sports programs that you can remove the individual and the program survives. And when we talk about a program, we're talking about a system. So bring it back, scale it down for you and think about what's your system. What makes you successful? What's going to make you successful day in, day out? And then build your goals around that so that you're constantly challenging yourself, but challenging yourself within your system and continuing to build a successful system that will make you successful over time. That's really the emphasis of what that is all about. So hopefully you'll be able to think about this Think about it from your goal setting standpoint and then ask yourself about your system. And when you build that successful system, you'll be in really good shape. All right, let's come back and wrap up this week's episode. All right, that's a wrap on this week's episode. Giving you a homework assignment, it's to think about what your system is and start to really document how you approach your gaming. Once you've figured out that system, start to set some real goals, realistic goals based on your system and challenge your system a little bit, just a little bit, right? Make it make it attainable. We are, here's what I'm going to be working on this week. Uh, I am deep into, well, I'm not that deep. It's only day four, but deep into February projects here. Uh, I've got a good plan for February, as I talked about. I've, I'm hoping by, you know, in the next couple of weeks, I'll be getting my 
historical replay. We're going to replay that 2004 championship game in uh, women's basketball, NCAA championship game, UConn, Tennessee, height of like two just incredible programs. Uh, you know, so we're going to look, well, I'm going to take a look at that. This week, hoping to get payoff pitch. Uh, one of the games I purchased at the holiday sale for Christmas. Uh, haven't had it on the table just yet. Uh, looking to get that done. I'm going to do a little showcase with the 1889 National League. Play a few games with those teams. So payoff pitch, probably getting to the table this week. Continue with the Eastern Football League World Cup, that great set from Bob Hansen. And then wrapping up Heroes of Wrestling. I want to, well, not Heroes of Wrestling, sorry. Went back to my Wrestling America Federation. Uh, hoping to wrap up that season that I'm doing where I'm just randomly choosing the matchups and carrying over any like grudge matches and things like that. So uh, looking to complete all of that this month and got the uh, play invitational that we'll be wrapping up this week. Um, that'll be another goal for me on this week. Next week, we're going to switch gears a little bit uh, with the podcast and get to another top 10 list. And this time we're gonna be talking about top 10 sports moments that warrant a do-over. We're gonna look at some of those amazing events where you just feel like, is that the way that should have played out? And the ones that are worth replaying again on the tabletop. And a lot, some of these, a lot of you have done on your tabletop. So uh, we'll get back to those. That'll be next week's episode. Uh, until then, if you'd like to help support the podcast, head on over to patreon.com backslash tabletop sportcast. Uh, appreciate everybody who joined this past week. And again, we're going to be working towards a live show. And I did promise to have a little bit of information about the live show this. And here's what we're going to do. So the goal is going to be to schedule for Saturday, March 23rd. I think a Saturday is going to be the best time for me to do this. So I'm looking towards Saturday, March 23rd, probably like an 8 p.m. show. Um, I've been going back and forth between Saturday and Sunday, so I might need to take a little bit deeper look at see what's going on that weekend it's probably in the middle of things like march madness and you know i still think i got to double check a couple of things so but that's my tentative date and we're going to use discord i'm still working on the details for how to use discord but uh everybody will be able to join through discord ask questions and everything and i'm i'm hoping there's a way also to get some people on live uh, throughout the show too, uh, but it won't be just like a group live chat. That would not be very functional. Um, but you'll be able to participate in Discord, and we will, you know, have uh, probably a special guest for that as well. So looking forward to that in March. That's the tentative date. I'll have more information as I nail down the date. But that's really where I'm I'm gearing towards is like that. What is that? The fourth weekend of March is probably when we'll we'll organize to do this. All right. Um, so if you join Patreon, uh, become a patron of the podcast, you'll be invited to that live event at the end of March. 
that's it. So until next week, thanks for listening.